My name is Scott Challoner and this is the Leaders' Council podcast for the people who run the country and the people who keep the country running. You join us on what is a cool, bleak, wintry day here in the capital, but joining me on today's programme to hopefully add a little bit of brightness and warmth to affairs is Ben Chambers. Ben is a director at the Flying Start Day Nursery in Surrey. Uh, Ben, very warm welcome to you and thank you so much for joining us on the programme today. Thank you very much for having me, Scott. It's a real pleasure having you with us. Now, I understand that you've been involved in the nursery in some capacity for sort of well over 15 years, but it's sort of been less time, hasn't it, that you've been sort of actively involved with the organisation because your background is actually uh, within the NHS, isn't it? So you've sort of transitioned over to childcare. Yes, that's correct. So I I, um, originally started off in the NHS uh, healthcare assistant and then as a uh, qualified as a psychiatric nurse and then had various roles um, working on the front line before moving to a more corporate position. Um, but um, the family business that my mother set up was a, a childcare day nursery, which when she uh, uh, wanted to retire, um, I was invited to take a more active um, part in. So essentially I, I joined the nursery having been a director um, for a number of years and uh, started in the rooms working with the staff and the children um, to learn what was going on and did my teaching qualification while I was there for early years and over the last couple of years have moved more directly into the leadership role for the nursery. Mm, and was it an easy decision there for essentially that it was a family business to kind of move over into sort of the childcare side of things? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, essentially, it was the fact that it was set up by my mum and my mum and dad were very keen um, for it to continue um, because there's a lot of people who were reliant on the, the, the nursery, you know, the, the families whose children we cared for and the families of staff members who we um, employed. Um, and, yeah, it's been a big part of the local community. Uh, for over 25 years mm. so it was important for me to keep that family connection and also it was very important I think for the nursery to have someone with that um, understanding what the ethical um, position was behind it so having a family mm. member kept that um, kept that quite real I guess yeah, exactly right. And that sort of know-how with sort of health and compliance, I suppose, as well, is also quite useful. And I can imagine that that has proven sort of quite crucial in the last couple of years, more than anything else, given sort of the levels of guidelines that have been constantly filtered through to organisations such as yours during the COVID-19 situation. Um I think we should touch on that. It would be remiss of us, of course, not to talk about that, given the scale of the challenge that education, especially early years, has, uh, has sort of faced. Um, how operationally has it been a challenge for you over the last couple of years, would you say? Because I can imagine that everything had to change going back to March 2020 when that first lockdown was called. Yes, I mean, it, it was a very, very um, interesting time for the nursery. Um, when we, when the initial announcement came out, I think it was on about sort of March the 18th that early years um, settings were going to close down for everyone apart from key workers. Mm. That was essentially the first time the nursery had been closed since it had opened. 
Um, and that was something which emotionally felt very difficult for us because that's not why the nurseries were set up. The nurseries were set up to support families and it felt like we were letting them down. And that was obviously coupled with the emotions everyone was feeling for their own families and their own situations and the fear that was present at the time. Um, so from that point of view, that initial closure was a very, very hard time, partly because the closures were announced by the government before furlough was introduced or even mentioned. So I had an initial um, sort of letter to write out on that day to mm. explain to the parents that we had to close down the following Monday, apart from key workers. We then had to identify all the people who were key workers. And that, again, was problematic because it came in before the actual definition of a key worker had been fully scripted by, mm. by the government. Um, and we were then in a position where being a private company, we had to ask the parents to continue to pay for the service that they couldn't get unless something had changed. And although that was, you know, from my point of view, clearly indicated in the initial letter, you know, it was it was a very long letter because we were trying to um, we were trying to mitigate for every possibility that might have come along our way. So that initial letter was incredibly difficult, and the response I got was very, very varied initially. Um, there were some families who were fully understanding, fully supportive of us, and, and genuinely wishing us all the best. And then there was other families who sort of focused on the, um, the, the aspect of pain, which I completely mm. understand. Um, and from that point of view, that was a, an additional layer of of things to sort through whilst trying to sort through all the practicalities of it. You know, we, we had um, orders that were due to come in. We had a whole load of planning to do in terms of um, how many key worker children would we have, how many of them would want to attend, when they were going to attend, staffing, how that was going to work. We obviously had to look for volunteers from the staffing team on who wanted to work because, as I say, there was a lot of fear at that time about how challenging the um, actual um, COVID would be mm. for people physically and, and mentally. And safeguarding against those sort of effects on sort of your staff, that sort of mental anxiety, also the sort of physical strain as well. I can imagine that was quite difficult because given the rules were essentially sort of encouraging children to continue to attend nursery when, you know, they may have had a positive case of COVID in their household. I can imagine there was still quite a lot of worry about sort of health and sort of the virus spreading amongst staff members. And that's essentially a melting pot that's quite difficult to manage, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. I mean, that that very much came later on initially. Mm. There was uh, There was a lot of you know, we, we were very lucky. The staff team we had, you know, we had volunteers to work for those first few months when we were still closed. When we came back to the nursery, it was a very, very gradual return um, in 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 the June when we were able to reopen fully. Although we were technically able to reopen fully, there was a lot of anxiety still um, with um, with with people generally, from staff and from parents, um, about sort of coming back into a situation where clearly. Families were going to be mixing, um, and the staff who had their own families were being in a position where they were having to mix with a lot of other people that they hadn't been mixing with for two months. Um, but what you were saying about the complications of the rules where 
that the government clearly trying to encourage children to stay in education and early years because actually they gain an awful lot of benefits which are very hard to make up later in life. That mm. tallied with the messages about people working from home where they could and for the staff, it was a massive challenge. And actually, again, we were incredibly proud of how well our staff had, um, had, had managed that. The key elements we found that were helpful were trying to communicate to them exactly the, uh, the measures we would be putting in place to support them and protect them. Making sure that they understood that we were taking any sort of illness from the children seriously, communicating with the parents about how important it was for them to to keep their children off the nursery if they were at all concerned that they weren't well, had a temperature, had any symptoms of COVID. That type of um, sort of communication was vital, really, in, in making sure that everyone understood the active role that they had in trying to help us remain open. Um, and that's something which I'm genuinely very, very pleased with what's come out of COVID. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of what we've learned from it is actually by communicating very well and very quickly with the parents and the staff, people understood the other perspective far better and were far more able to to play their part in, in keeping the nursery running and open. So from that point of view, it was very, um, it, it's a lesson that we've learned well and we, we, we really enjoyed. And from a, a, a point of view of how we've done things slightly differently, sort of previously the managers wouldn't be so visible. But since COVID, we've obviously had the managers outside welcoming the parents in, mm which has meant that they've been able to have lots more face-to-face contact or at least the opportunity for parents to see, approach, get to know a bit the managers and the senior staff, which has helped us, I think, to iron out things which might have previously niggled people, but actually were then sort of saved until they had uh, something that they were more concerned about, whereas actually now a lot of things can be resolved because people have got that better understanding and knowledge of, of um, the key people in the organisation. Mm. So that's something that we really hope to keep um, when the COVID situation finally sort of reduces down to the everyday sort of life, really. Mm. And that's very interesting that sort of it's helped you sort of realise the importance in your industry of that kind of almost open door leadership policy being accessible to sort of the parents. I think there's a lot of benefits come from that. And and it shows as well that when the chips are down and you're in sort of crisis management mode, you can learn an awful lot about sort of yourselves, your staff, um, because, you know, it's you're bringing out the best in yourself to sort of keep things going. I mean, survival is what gets you out of bed every morning in a situation uh, like that. And while we're talking about leadership, actually, just um, just going back to the, uh, the, the guidance for a moment, uh, what are some of your thoughts on the guidance that's constantly been going through to early years? Do you think that the government have sort of been clear enough with you all the way through this? Or have you been left to decipher a lot of it for yourselves at times? And that's sort of maybe made it a bit more of a struggle. It's a very difficult question to answer in the sense that I think that the communication from the government has been relatively 
useful and clear. Um, you know, the government website's been updated mm. regularly. What's been problematic is the fact that um, they, they've had to do it so frequently. And again, from a, from a leadership point of view, I understand why they're having to respond to various situations. What that, the pressure that's put on us is having to communicate effectively to the parents why these subtle changes um, were necessary and what, how they impact on us. And as an as a organization, we still have that responsibility to interpret them in a way that actually is meaningful to our, our actual situation. So there's, there's that, that's been one of the challenges. Um, but from my point of view, I've, I, I, I don't see a better way that it could have been handled. I mean, we would all ideally love to be in a situation where you're going to have a, a month's warning about changes, but that's not the the way that the pandemic evolved, essentially, especially with new variants coming out. So, so how we try to mitigate against those sort of constant tweaks and changes and slight sort of changes in the rules is, for, for example, with things like mask wearing, where we've where we've um, been advised to encourage staff and parents to wear masks in communal areas when that was um, when that was uh, the, when the need for that was taken away we actually locally kept that in our policy because actually that helped a for the parents to understand where they stood because it wasn't a change for them and b it gave some reassurance to the staff that actually we were still taking this very seriously and we were still trying to reduce the amount of contact they had face to face with someone um, without uh, sort of masks on, and those type of moves helped us to actually steady um, the the wave of, um, uh, of 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 new guidance and rules. Because locally, we decided that actually it makes sense for us to continue to do this for a while and see what happens with the numbers. Mm. And again, that was partly in response to the local um, uh, the local situation regarding COVID cases and outbreaks, and it's. And it's helped reduce some of the other illnesses that um, we would typically expect to see at the nursery. Yeah, I completely understand where you're coming from uh, from that uh, perspective. And just another sort of question on uh, that front um, as well. Um, going back to sort of your NHS background, do you think that those experiences really sort of helped you when it came to kind of leading Flying Start through a crisis of this particular nature? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, in terms of transferable skills, I was genuinely amazed at how many of the skills that I learned in the NHS, just in terms of managing people, in terms of managing crisis situations or um, fast-changing situations, how many of the skills that I developed in the NHS um, really helped me and supported me at the nursery. And um, you're, you're right in the sense that in the NHS, you get used to various um, guidance being issued and having to respond to it. So from that point of view, that, that was a familiar area for me. Mm. And what it meant was that I was comfortable processing that information, putting it into a practical application, and actually being able to communicate that reasonably effectively to all the different stakeholders we have at the nursery. So the children, the staff, the parents, 
um, and the senior management team, you know, all sort of coalescing around the idea of this is how we're going to approach this particular situation. Um, yes, yeah, so I was, I was very grateful for my experience in the NHS. I can imagine it really has proven beneficial for sure and I imagine that will continue to uh, to prove the case going forward as hopefully this year we can remove ourselves from the acute phase of the pandemic. Um, thinking about how obviously we may progress over the uh, the next uh, 12 months, Ben, just before we wrap things up, I'd be interested to understand what sort of plans are on the horizon for Flying Start Day Nursery and uh, where do you see yourselves by the end of this uh, new year all being well? Well, we we are very much um, a company who like where we are in terms of, you know, this, we've got two nurseries very close together in Ashdod, and we're very happy with the sizes of them. They feel manageable at mm. a personal level um, in terms of us being able to know most of the families, us being able to know all the children sort of across both sites. So from that point of view, it, it, it feels like a very manageable Size. So we're not looking to expand, but what we are looking to do is to invest in the nurseries, the monies that um, we obviously uh, wanted to um, sort of invest in, in, in basically sort of upgrading um, the environment and the equipment for the children. Mm. So when the pandemic came in the first year of the pandemic, it was very, very challenging financially for us as a business because once the furlough scheme came in, we obviously then didn't um, charge the parents when they weren't at the nursery due to COVID. So from that point of view, that was a very difficult time because we're very conscious of the fact that our staff are the main reason why people come to the nursery because mm. they're very, very good. And in terms of retaining staff during that very unpredictable time, that that we, we, we couldn't have done it without the furlough scheme. Um, and that enabled us to reopen, but it also took a lot of the money that we'd put aside to do extension work in terms of upgrading kitchens and that type of stuff. A lot of that cash was used up in bridging that gap between um, sort of the, the, the being closed and not having any income and also people coming back at a slow rate mm. for, for very understandable reasons. So what I'm looking for in the next 12 months is really cementing the stability that we're hoping we'll have when the pandemic finishes and whilst it feels brighter at the moment I'm very conscious that any new wave that comes along could come and affect us quite negatively um, and it's staffing that, that that has the real impact on it. If, if there's another wave that comes along and affects staff especially if it affects people who've had it before or who are vaccinated it, it's a very big sort of risk to our ability to continue because what parents are looking for is is that stability and that sort of childcare that that sees them through that enables them to work and carry on but my plans are to essentially cement where we are and to look at upgrading um the equipment and the um environment and also making sure that the staff are properly um rewarded for for the very difficult job that they do mm. Fantastic games, um, indeed. Just that consolidation and that sort of 
I suppose, rewarding for the staff for their efforts that they've put in over the uh, the last two years, and it is most certainly deserved. And I do wish you all the luck in the world, Ben, in uh, sort of making that uh, vision you have there a reality. And I'd actually really relish the opportunity to perhaps catch up at some point in this next year just to see sort of how progress is going towards those aims. Oh, it'd be lovely to speak to you again. Thank you. It would be wonderful, um, and hopefully things um, are going very, very well. And at that point in time, we might be able to talk about some sort of real success in that uh, period of consolidation. Um, but for now, Ben, thanks ever so much uh, for joining us. I've thoroughly enjoyed uh, having you with us on the show. And uh, do take care and stay safe with um, all that is still going on. Any time, Scott. Take care now. Bye-bye. And I'd like to reiterate that message to all of our listeners tuning in today as well. Please do take care and uh, stay safe moving forward. And um, I do hope that you all thoroughly enjoyed the interview with Ben Chambers from Flying Start Day Nursery in Surrey as much as I. Um, if you are somebody tuning into the show today, you might feel based on this that you have your own story of success or of innovation to share with us here at the Leaders Council, then we want to hear from you. So why don't you apply to be on the show too via leaderscouncil.co.uk forward slash apply. Until next time, everyone, please do take care and goodbye.